This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this this is Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio. Here's your host, Christian Tervish. Welcome to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio. I'm your host, Christian Tervish, and we're here for you every Monday night at 5 p.m. Eastern, followed by replays throughout the week. Now, there are over 3 million teachers in this country, and I'm proud to be one of them. To me, it doesn't matter if you teach third grade mathematics in elementary school or corporate finance here at Wharton. Technology is changing our jobs as educators. Kids learn a lot of things via YouTube videos or Khan Academy, and as we learned from McGraw-Hill and Lynda.com in an earlier show here, professional learning is changing as well. So the process of education and the role of technology in it is really of twofold importance in my show. First, education has many jobs as its own industry, and second, education will also be essential to help us transform our workforce in any sector of the economy. So once again, today, we'll journey into the world of education. To help us understand these topics, I have two great guests. René Baton is the director of U.S. Public Sector Education at Cisco, the largest network technology company in the world. And in the second half of the show, I will talk with Leah Belsky of Coursera, the company that pioneered the massive open online course movement. At this point, welcome, René. How are you? Hey, René, if you think back through your own education, what was the best educational experience you ever had? Is there a moment that stands out? I think, Christian, it was really about the professors who I had when I was in school, both at Santa Clara University and Stanford. And I think it was those uh, professors who were, and teachers, as you mentioned, in K through 12 as well. It was those, uh, th- those teachers who were able to engage in a conversation and really make the class interesting, regardless of whatever technologies they might have been using. Isn't it fascinating? Right? We talk so much about technology, and back then technology might have been a PowerPoint slide, and nowadays you have all these kind of devices in class. And at the end of the day, a good professor with a piece of chalk is m- still the m- best learning experience there is. Yeah, and I don't know about you, Christian, but one of my earliest uh, memories in school was watching the first uh, man walk on the moon on a snowy television set in black and white and so those days have definitely changed now we can actually take students on a virtual field trip to the moon or to the smithsonian institute or to the monterey bay aquarium that guys us to my next question if if you would go to the local high school down the street here tell me what type of cisco products you would find in a typical k-12 institution the, the products that we're seeing increasingly in our K-12 schools is certainly all of the underlying infrastructure to make the best technology experiences possible. So everything having to do with networking, routing, switching, wireless, and then certainly security everywhere. So as we see more and more connections to the Internet, schools, colleges, and universities are realizing that they absolutely have to have secure environments for teaching and learning, student data, research, knowledge, and information. But I think the other thing that we're seeing that's so exciting in schools across the country is video in the classroom, video and new collaboration technologies to create these immersive, engaging learning environments for students that help to augment that great teaching that we see across the country and the globe. So if I think about Cisco, I, I first and foremost think about the kind of the technology infrastructure that you guys have just been uh, so influential in. Um, mm-hmm. When I think about Cisco, then in education and learning, are you just in quote unquote just are you just putting in the pipes and the infrastructure, or are you also more in the application layers of this technology stack? 
That's such a great observation, Christian. We're certainly known as the company that built the Internet. And so everything that you mentioned, the routing, the switching, wireless security. But what we may not be as well known for is that we're actually an education company. So we were founded out of uh, Stanford many, many years ago by two IT professionals on the Stanford campus. We created the Cisco Networking Academy over 30 years ago, and we've actually put 6 million students through that program since inception. And that program is intended to help to equip students with skills in IT. We also have a broad range of IT certifications. So for individuals who want to go out and work in IT, we provide all of those Cisco certifications for them. The other thing that we do that's very exciting is that we have a number of different research partnerships with universities across the country, and we have solutions for education. So video and collaboration solutions that we have are really the best for creating virtual classrooms and virtual learning environments. So tell us about the use cases of virtual classrooms. I mean, for us here at Wharton, who, with, with operations really in San Francisco and in Philadelphia, your telepresence solution has been influential for us. But uh, as much as many uh, high school teachers might enjoy being away from their students physically, the reality of most K-12 settings is probably still a teacher standing in front of the students. You're absolutely right, and the Wharton School is one of my favorite examples of innovation in terms of uh, higher ed. But in K-12, we are seeing more and more virtual learning environments with video in the classroom. We have one example of a sixth grade teacher who actually schedules WebEx classes. So WebEx, as you might know, is a web conferencing tool in the enterprise, but it's also an amazing tool for education for virtual learning. So this sixth grade teacher uh, schedules WebEx for every single class that she has, and students are able to log on even within the classroom because some of them might want to see the teacher over video. They might want to be able to have the content that the teacher is presenting on their tablets or their laptops visible to them. They use that tool to be able to interact and engage. And, by the way, if they happen not to be in class, they can connect from home. So if they might be homesick or they can't come to school, they can engage in that way. And I think what's important about this, Christian, is that this is how kids really like to engage and to learn. And this is the workforce of tomorrow. So this is how we're preparing them so that they can go out and get jobs in environments where they have to be able to be collaborative and engaging and interactive and use these tools to do that. Let's stay with that WebEx example for class for a moment, uh, having I mean, spent a lot of time in the WebEx world and then in, in my Coursera courses have gotten familiar with these kind of the, the, the more open courses. So the use case that you're describing here, Renee, is, is, is one though of the class is still intact as a community. The teacher just teaches through WebEx. So mm -hmm. you have the 25 kids of which maybe at any given day one of them is sick. So you have these 24 people in the room one of them is following through WebEx conference from, from home because he or she is sick. Now, mm -hmm. what, help me understand the value add for the 24 people in the room. What, what, what part of their learning is, is better? Is it that they can press on replay in the evening and just look at the recording? Is it that they can kind of doze off for a moment and press on replay? Mm -hmm. uh, is it that they press on fast forward and they can go into recess 10 minutes earlier? So wh where, is, where is the customer value here? 
That is a that that's such a, a good question. And I think the value is exactly what you said. So they can certainly press on replay. I don't know about you, but there were many times in my classes where I would have loved to have heard a replay of the lecture. I would have understand understood it much more effectively if I'd had that. So it is that it's the ability to replay the lectures. But also there are some students who are really shy and they may not want to raise their hand in class. And they would much prefer being able to ask a question through a web-based portal in this, in this way. So there are collaborative rooms that are connected with WebEx, and they can go in and, and literally ask a question of the teacher that they may, be too shy, they may be too shy to raise a hand. So they can ask a question. They can connect with other students in that class. And I think the other value with these integrated collaboration video environments is that teachers can pull in guest lecturers from anywhere in the world. Uh, so whether it's an expert in math or science or another really interesting speaker, they can use that same exact platform for that. Now, I, I still and I'm an operations person, so I find the detailed dynamics always really interesting. So, so I think most of my students would rather want to have a fast forward or a skip button in, when it comes <laughs> to my lectures, right? But I'm just kind of wa walking through the kind of the 45-minute math class on April 24th in uh, here in the Philadelphia local high school and I'm just kind of trying to understand what what is the benefit um, so I can I, I like this idea of anonymous chat element right where you might be too shy to raise a question you message the teacher saying like look Mr. Tervish or Mrs. Jones I'm really struggling with this concept of a derivative in calculus and could you please repeat this? And there's a certain kind of element of, you know, it gives me a certain comfort that I can do this anonymously. I, I might feel uh, shy because of Mrs. Jones is a very kind of authoritative teacher. I might mm -hmm. not want to kind of come out in front of my, my peers asking this question. So I, I can see that. But uh, a lot of the other benefits you're describing, having that kind of that person who kind of was the, the, the person who was up on the moon or the kind of the expert who won the Nobel Prize, I just have a hard time seeing that benefit at the level of the high school. When it comes to a university and an open course where I have 10,000 kids, I could see these benefits. But that, that group of 25 kids, can't they just talk to each other or is that too old fashioned? Well, they certainly can, but let's take a broader example. So another example, and you talk a lot about operational efficiency, is in high school districts across the country, they may not have enough AP calculus teachers, for example. So in one K-12 district, for example, they have five high schools, they have one AP calculus teacher. And so rather than hiring an AP calculus teacher for every single high school within that district, what they're doing is using Cisco telepresence to be able to scale that one teacher to teach AP calculus to all of those five high schools within the district. So they literally have a telepresence room on each campus so students on each campus can go to the telepresence room and they can take AP Calculus. So those students wouldn't have had the opportunity to take AP Calculus if the district wasn't able to, which they, they couldn't afford to hire these extra teachers. So all of a sudden now you have that efficiency of one amazing AP Calculus teacher who's teaching these students across the district uh, that same course. In case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio. I'm your host, Christian Tevish, and I have the pleasure of chatting with Rene Baton, who is the Director of U.S. Public Sector Education at Cisco. And we're talking about what technology can do in the classroom. And 
I, as again, as an operations professor now, uh, I, I get excited when we talk about efficiency. And first of all, I, I think, Rene, the, the way you describe efficiency, we, we don't think of it as cost cutting, right? It's, it's enabling in a way that mm -hmm. these kids would otherwise not have had AP calculus. So having that technology is not necessarily laying off 10 AP teachers in Absolutely. calculus. It's bringing uh, Chinese to a class of uh, maybe in, in rural Ohio where they would not be able to afford a Chinese teacher. Um, so... Um, is in your experience, we're going to talk with Coursera later on in this show, and I've done a lot of work on the Coursera model. The <coughs> benefit of the Taylor presence of being at least remotely, but being in, a, in the same presence at the same time with the teacher, is there a big uh, incremental advantage compared towards a more Coursera, Khan Academy type of model, where there's basically every day there is kind of a, a video to or two to be watched, and then it's more of a flipped classroom type of experience where, uh, again, the, the video is produced asynchronously from the actual learning experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely right, and I, I, I definitely think there's a place, um, a great place for Coursera, for Khan Academy, for all of this rich content that we're seeing out there today, which is amazing. I mean, we had nothing like that when I was going to school. But you hit on a key point, which is synchronous versus asynchronous. The idea behind a lot of these technologies, between our technologies with WebEx and, and telepresence, is being able to create those synchronous learning environments so the student can actually be there over video with the teacher. And then I think the other thing that creates huge value and can also augment Coursera and other online programs is this persistent learning environment. If you think of a tool like WebEx and our new WebEx Rooms applications, this gives the opportunity for students to connect with one another and with their professor and with their TAs, with their K-12 teacher, before, during, and after the class within a persistent chat environment. And that's exciting because then as we look at the, you mentioned applications in the API layer, now we have developers coming in who can develop applications against the WebEx Rooms application and create virtual tutors, virtual chat um, environments for students to really personalize the learning experience. How much into the actual content do you get? I mean, I, a lot was connected technologies in general, there's lots of beautiful data that is coming out and in a world of big data then that gives us uh, opportunities to figure out that more students struggle on lecture 13 if it is delivered uh, in this way rather than in that way. You could do some A-B testing where the students learn faster in way A or in B. Um, how much of that do you get into yourself as Cisco versus how much do you enable and have then other companies just operate on your platform? Absolutely. So we so when we look at data analytics, we really look at data in terms of the network. So what are the kinds of uh, analytics? What's the sort of data that you can get from the network, from the wireless network, the wired network? And then what are the learning analytics? So we're, we look at them in kind of those two different buckets, and then how do you bring them together? So we're not a content provider, but we, we are an enabler. So we are working with a number of different providers to be able to integrate WebEx within their learning, within their content applications. So we're looking at it from that perspective. 
as we look on the horizon, one of the future things that we're doing is how can we take the data from the network, from learning, from different content applications, and be able to help K-12 teachers, professors, to harness that data for better decision-making so that they can then turn, then turn knowledge into wisdom. And, and that's really where we're going in the future, I believe. Knowledge into wisdom, that should be the title of my future career. Uh, I love that <laughs> slogan, but um, help me understand a little bit the business dynamics of that. And so, so I mean, we talked a lot now about the use case, and I, I think you make a very kind of compelling argument for that. As a business person, at some point we have to talk about money in one way or the other. Uh, mm -hmm. So imagine I would be the principal at a local high school here. I have, you know, they say a thousand students, teach from ninth grade to twelfth grade. And I want to have a Cisco Taylor presence in my, in my school. And I want to have a certain percentage, say half of my courses, benefit from the WebEx technology that you, you just described. Uh, what's the budget for that? Order of magnitude. Well, I think when you look at the you look at the numbers in K twelve, I think there's a great case to be made. And and you mentioned it's not about laying off teachers; about it's about making sure that students have access to scarce resources. So I think one very valid metric is the number of courses that a high school or a you know K twelve district can offer based on this technology they may not have been able to offer AP Calculus without this technology. So I think it's the number, quality, type of courses, number one. And I think the other thing is really, it's really about engagement and how do you get students to come to school and engage because their attendance matters and schools are measured on attendance. And so they really do need to create these environments where students are going, they're completing their courses, and they're well prepared to go on to college or career. Now, you mentioned number of courses as an important metric, and I mean, we use that number here at, at, at Wharton as well. We pride of ourselves, we're proud that we are the school with the most electives of any, any MBA program. And so number mm -hmm. of courses I see as a benefit. So help me understand how this happens. So one way of doing it is that the high school that I'm now the principal of comes to Cisco and says like, I need AP Calculus or I need uh, Bavarian language instruction as an AP course. Uh, can I just basically buy it? I'm paying so and so much by the seat. The other one is basically the district has the skill that was I think only the use case you described earlier on. Uh, the district has 10 high schools uh, and one of the 10 high schools offers that course. And mm -hmm. what Cisco does is basically just enables the sharing. Are you in the business of selling specific courses also? Or are you just, just again, I don't want to say just with in the intent of it's not a lot of an achievement. Are you just in the business of providing the technology and what content plays on that technology is really somebody else's worry? Yeah, the we are definitely not a content provider, Christian. However, I think one of the things that differentiates Cisco is that we'll go out into K-12 districts and colleges and universities and really focus on the problem that that institution's trying to solve. So if they're saying we need, we, we, you know, we have these 10 campuses and we only have one teacher, we'll really use that as a starting point based on the data that they share. So they might say we need to expand access. And so we'll literally work with them and go through different organizational change management processes, design thinking approaches to help them to figure out how to get from their as-is state to their future state. 
And that way, we're really helping them to meet their requirements. And by the way, it could be Cisco Technologies. It could be other ecosystem partners who we work with, for example, to integrate WebEx with their existing learning management systems. It might be another content provider for virtual field trips. It could be an artificial intelligence provider for better student retention. So those are the kinds of things that we do to create this holistic environment for them because it's not just these products aren't just bolt-ons. They, they need to be part of a larger strategy within the district. I want to circle back to the earlier question, and I, I think maybe out of politeness you were somewhat ducking the question. And, and if, if there's <laughs> confi confidential data, please please feel free to, to not share that information. Um, but let's let, give me a sense of budget. So when you you have 30,000 schools that you've worked with, if I would put a, pick a typical, and when I say typical, let's just say a median budget, <clears throat> how big of a technology budget is required to get me a telepresence room, a good amount of WebEx conferencing, and the support of a Cisco design study which looks for my educational needs at my high school. G give me like an order of magnitude of a budget. Oh, I wish I could. They're so, they're so different across the board. Even if you were to pick a medium-sized school, it really depends on what it is that the school is trying to do. We typically see within education that the IT budget is anywhere from 2 to maybe 5% of the total budget. Now that's again very traditional uh, sort of infrastructure wireless security technologies, but I think that's a good ballpark in terms of what most IT budgets are across uh, K-12 and higher education. So in my school in Germany, we had about a thousand kids. Uh, we had mm -hmm. uh, one janitor, a principal, and the principal had an <laughs> admin, and everybody mm -hmm. else was a teacher. Now mm -hmm. schools have IT support specific uh, IT support staff. They have counselors. They have a nurse in this country. They have educational designers. Um, so when you talk about two to five percent IT costs, is that including the uh, IT support as well, the human resource costs for the IT support, or is that literally uh, license spendings and uh, and just hardware depreciation? Yep, product services, hardware depreciation. Um, the salaries tend to fall into a different bucket, and and the I think the other reality is is that many schools are cash constrained here, so they may have more resources than they've had in the past, but they still have a hard time finding the resource to do the things that they'd like to do. So one of the things that we also do is help them with different programs. Uh, that will support their funding, their, their purchases. So whether it's Cisco Capital or whether it's helping them to think through different grants that they could get within the district, those are some of the things that where we can provide guidance on that. And we're also trying to make the technologies more simple. So, for example, our Meraki solutions are very, very simple. And in some cases, we have the uh, primary school secretary who's managing the wireless network because we've, we've made it that simple to be able to manage and, and maintain. So and to, to kind of summarize that, that budget element, so you mentioned 2 to 5% on licensing and hardware, probably another 2 to 5% on IT support, and again, your goal being to simplify that uh, and, and thereby reducing the total cost of ownership of these systems on the schools. Um, is there a, a general strategy that I sense here that you want to go more from just, again, I'm saying just in a very polite way, from just providing the hardware, just providing the product into playing more of a service game? 
Absolutely. A- absolutely, Christian, because it really isn't about the technology. And you said it in the beginning. You can take a great teacher and have a chalkboard and a piece of chalk and create an engaging experience. But it's about creating these media-rich environments for students because we're preparing them for the work of tomorrow. And that we can't just throw technology at the problem. And I think that's been a challenge that they've had in the past. People will the teachers will go out faculty members will go out and and have technologies and they don't necessarily there's not necessarily an integrated strategy or plan so that's really what we're doing is we're we're trying to say what is it that you're trying to accomplish what are the outcomes that you'd like to realize and then how can technology enable that and there are all different kinds of approaches that they can take but it really isn't about technology first it's about what are you trying to accomplish first and then how can technology help you to create these next generation learning environments here at Wharton we had the privilege and the pleasure of being at the forefront of a lot of that and Cisco as we discussed earlier on was an important part of that so I think there's one part of your business I'm sure is just rolling out these best practices to many many more schools what is Mm -hmm. happening at the very forefront if you come up with if you tell our listeners like five years ten years from now the cutting edge Telepresence is new for many K-12 schools, but in executive education and business schools, it's something that is already five years old. What, what is going to be 2020, uh, 2020 is so soon, sorry. Uh, what is 2030? What's education looking like in 2030? Well, let's talk about that. So I'd like to mention security first, Christian, because I think, again, with 50 billion connections, uh, things being sensors, devices, things being connected to the internet by the year 2020, security is going to be a huge issue. And we talked about Cisco and the work that we do with research universities. And one of the things that one of our Cisco fellows has been able to do is to use artificial intelligence and machine learning to identify malware on encrypted networks. So we've actually been able to identify with our new network intuitive. Uh, where there's a security issue, and then we're able to fix those without decrypting the data stream. So I think security is going to continue to be a huge, huge imperative on the, in the future and on the horizon. I don't think that's going to go away. I think the next thing that we're seeing that's going to be very exciting is augmented reality and virtual reality for these more engaging, immersive learning experiences. So imagine a virtual anatomy lab being able to travel inside the human arterial system. So that is definitely on the forefront. Again, I think everything having to do with machine learning and AI, not only for security, but to determine where a student is in the learning process and to help personalize the learning experience for them. I think we'll also see greater flexibility of courses and degrees and attendance. So imagine a student being able to put their own course of learning together based on different MOOCs that might be available, courses from Uh, Wharton, from other universities across the country, I think we'll see that. And I think we'll see environments where students can learn without limits. So they'll be able to learn anytime, anywhere, on any device. And this is the work of tomorrow. And Cisco is really at the heart of all of this with the underlying infrastructure, wireless security, leading edge video and collaboration, video in the classroom our investments in research and uh, for innovation and our continued investment in, in equipping the workforce of the future with a networking academy and new IT certifications. Says Rene Patton, the Director of U.S. Public Sector Education at Cisco. Thank you so much, Rene. 
Work of Tomorrow is what Renee said. Uh, somebody ought to create a radio show with that title. I love it. <laughs> In case you, uh, we need to take a short break right now, when we come back, I will welcome my second guest for today, Leah Belsky, who is the Vice President of Global Enterprise Development at Coursera, the company that pioneered massive open online courses. You're listening to Work of Tomorrow. I'm Christian Tavish, and this is Business Radio, powered by the Walton School and Series XM. We'll be right back. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 